0: welcome to second opinion the reviews show here on the nexus i am your host ryan rampersad and today i will review the nvidia shield tv from 2019 find the show notes for this episode at the nexus.tv slash so 82 well welcome back everybody it's time to watch tv with your friend ryan rampersad who doesn't watch tv you got it i'm reviewing the nvidia shield tv Now, it's funny because I don't watch TV, but I do watch a lot of YouTube videos of various types. I mostly watch videos on YouTube of other people playing games because I don't have time or any patience for games. So, that's kind of why I have this product. Now, there's a further history, uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, In the show notes for this episode, I've included some links to the uh, various types of NVIDIA Shield products that have existed There have been many models, uh, and our good friend Ian Arbuck has actually owned some of these models in the past. And uh, whether it be the tablet version or the actual TV versions, they're all pretty cool. And they've actually been sort of this um, sleeper hit in a way where they're, they're popular, but not very popular. They're pretty good, but not very good. It's a strange product. Now, let's talk about why I'm such a big fan of this particular product. The Nvidia Shield TV. So, I'm a big fan because I like remotes. Now, I know it's strange. That seems like a technological throwback to a day gone by when your interactive device didn't have a screen on it. But I'll tell you why that it's so nice. I primarily use my TVs for watching YouTube. And I don't mean Shield TVs, I mean the TV, the screen that's on the wall. I use that for watching YouTube. Almost certainly. So, when I'm sitting on the couch or I'm in bed, I am not going to use my phone so much because I'm watching the TV. Now, what's inconvenient about having my phone near me is maybe I left it in another room, maybe it's busy charging, or if it's dark, maybe I don't want to get blasted by additional bright light Just to set another video up, or to change the volume, or to do any number of other things. Or, maybe, I'm very sick and tired of the awful Google Cast interface and all of its quirky bugs, and its annoying loading screens that block user input, even though queuing is totally a possibility at that point in time. There are things that you can do with remote that you just can't do with a phone screen. You can control it in the dark. You can control it under a blanket. You can control it without looking whatsoever away from the content that you're actually viewing. If you want to hear some dialogue, easy to do. If you want to scroll up and down or scrabble through the timeline, totally easy to do. But you can't do that without a remote as easily. So that's why I'm such a big fan. I love the remote experience. It's weird, but that's that's what I like. But there are some issues with this whole Android TV ecosystem. The Shield TV uses Android TV. Imagine that. It's not Google TV. That's long gone. Android TV is what it uses. Now, Google barely supports Android TV, at least from the consumer perspective. Now, I don't keep track of what goes on at Google I/O over a year with regards to Android TV. I just don't. There are very few apps. There are very poor apps, usually and they are not maintained on the same periodic timescale as other apps. What does that mean? Well, I am sure that the Android app for YouTube on phones gets updated weekly, if not biweekly, if not monthly. I'm sure the app updates are very, very frequent. But, on the other hand, the apps uh, for YouTube on the TV, Android TV version specifically, I am sure those do not get updated as much. I'm sure the updates are three to one. Three updates for the phone and one update for the TV. Now, that's with a name brand first party app. Now, other apps, for example, um, to be honest, I don't actually know what other apps are on on it. Uh, why would you use other apps? What's the point? The other issue is the Nexus player was the former product that Google released as a first-party product. And as a first-party product, it was sold, and it was sort of expensive relative to a Chromecast pricing, and nobody understood at the time, well, why would I buy a Chromecast for $35? Or why would I buy a Nexus player for $99? Well, that doesn't seem like a good price. So when it went on fire sale a few years ago, of course I purchased one, and I had been using it ever since. But the problem with the Nexus player, while being effectively reference hardware for OEMs, it was too expensive, but it was also using uh, an Intel Atom chip, which at the time was supposed to be quite uh, an achievement and supposed to um, curl the community and and ecosystem into not being just ARM-based, but also Intel-based. None of that panned out. And since none of that panned out, support for that product has waned. But what that also means is Google no longer sells its own first-party product. The NVIDIA Shield, while it does feel extremely polished and a, a good testament to what Google is almost certainly looking for from a product with Android TV on it, it's not from Google. And in that way, there's nobody for OEMs to copy from. And what that means is you don't get to enjoy uh, a pristine product. You get to enjoy what a variant might be. Okay, well, enough of that. Let's talk about what the actual Nvidia Shield is like. The model I have is the standard model. There are two models for the 2019 generation of Nvidia Shields. So let's start with the standard model. That comes in at about $150. Now let's ask ourselves, is that too much? Well, the original Nexus player came in at $99 originally at launch, and then eventually this fire sale brought it down to a very affordable price. I believe I picked it up for around $35. It is what you get, and you're actually getting a product that was released sometime recently with a processor that's supported with modern RAM and modern flash storage. So maybe it's a lot. But not only are you getting the tube, the stick itself, you're also getting a new remote. So you're getting almost two products in a way. So it, it, it's, it's, it's a price that's not unheard of. Seems okay. So it has 2 gigs of RAM, 8 gigs of internal storage, which is fairly lacking in my opinion. But again, there are no apps, so it doesn't really matter. And the physical form factor of the standard model is a tube. And I don't mean a stick. It's not like a chrome stick. It is more of a tube where the power cable goes into one end, HDMI cable goes into the other end, and it literally just sits behind your TV as a tube. It cannot hang off your TV because it's too heavy, but it's a tube. Why? Why was this a tube? Why would you design it like why wasn't it just a smaller box? Nope, it's a tube. <laughs> I don't I don't understand. It's okay though. So the Pro variant is $200 which comes with three gigabytes of RAM, 16 gigs of internal storage, and just a ton more ports. It has two USB ports. It has an Ethernet port, HDMI port. Uh, It has ports. It also has probably some more advanced cooling internally, which may be helpful for some uh, stronger uh, transcoding workloads. So that probably makes some sense in a situation where you're running Plex on top of it. Now uh, the pro model was not available when I was buying my standard model because uh, it was basically just sold out everywhere. And I don't think there was much stock available for um, local businesses named Best Buy to actually have in stores yet. So uh, this is built on top of the X1 Plus processor, which is a relative to the Nintendo Switch processor that uh, we all know and love. I think maybe it's not a super advanced processor at this point it's sort of power hungry it's probably not built on a on a very recent and smaller architecture as some of their other standard cpu and gpu products but that's okay because the performance even the standard model is a magnitude better than the previous generation nexus player it is snappy the reduced load times make a huge amount of difference and the responsiveness between the device itself, and the remote makes a world of difference that you would probably never understand unless you regularly use Chromecast on a bad network, and for whatever reason, buttons never do anything. True story. Now, it's time to talk about remotes, but not the remote you were expecting. We're going to talk about the Nexus Player remote first because you need to understand where i'm coming from when i talk about the newer better ish shield tv remote so next is play remote short and skinny very easy to operate all of the buttons with your thumb uh top led light on click very simple to see that your input worked in theory top button for voice input This remote had a bad microphone, though, at the time, so it kind of never mattered that much to me. Uh, D-pad with center enter button, standard on a remote these days so that you can scroll around on the screen. Below that D-pad, there was back button on the left and a pause play button on the right. And then below that, there was a single simple home button. The beauty of this remote was that you could remember the six buttons on its face very easily in the dark, under a blanket, no matter when. If you couldn't see the remote, you could remember roughly where those buttons were because uh, button properties and and functions were set together on a row and buttons that were sort of important uh, on their own, like the uh, voice button or the home button, were set apart by being centered. So, a great remote on its own. Now, let's talk about the remote that is a triangular prism the shield tv 2019 remote is a rectangular prism it's the strangest remote design i've ever seen it's it's certainly iconic it's certainly brand setting it, it, it's different i mean it just it's not uh not something you would have expected so uh it will always tip over on its side and it is somewhat noticeably heavier than the Shield, than the than the Nexus remote. Not a big deal, but noticeable. Cool feature that the remote has is that it has a IR blaster so that you can do volume control from this remote. So you don't need to have necessarily two remotes to control your TV and uh, Android TV, Shield TV. In addition to that... It also has a wonderful feature of backlight on movement. So all the buttons have a backlight attached to them, except the D-pad, which is fine. And anytime you touch the remote in any meaningful way, the lights will come on for a second or five seconds, depending it's your, your configuration. And uh, that's a wonderful feature. It, it's surely battery draining, but uh, I guess it's worth it. And I guess you would also ask, why isn't this remote rechargeable? With a Type-C cable, because, you know, that's the future. Why are we living in the past? NVIDIA. Hmm. But uh, here's the fun part. So many buttons. Just buttons you didn't even know you needed are on this remote. Okay, we've got the power button, and we've got a menu button. I've never actually used the menu button, so what it does, I don't really know. Then we've got the D-pad with center-enter. Not a strange design at all. Then we have where it gets weird. The next set of buttons we will go row by row here. We've got back and home. Now, together, those seem fine. Those are actually probably the best two buttons on there. They're sort of within thumb reach uh, at the plane level. Easy to go. Then we've got fast forward or forward skip and microphone voice input. Strange buttons to have in the same row. Then we've got Pause Play and Volume Up. Again, two strange buttons to have. Not sure what's going on there. And then finally we have Rewind or Rewind Backwards a Bit and Volume Down. And all of those buttons are concluded by the monstrously large and annoyingly always there Netflix button. Now we're going to talk more about the Netflix button later, but let's talk about why this remote isn't as nice as you might think. This remote always tips over. It's hard to remember where all of these buttons are, because in the dark, there are eight buttons that do something, not including the omnipresent Netflix button, and the D pad, and those two buttons on top, which represent power and menu. But these eight buttons have no distinguishing features together except two little nubs on the microphone, voice input button, and the pause play button. But those nubs feel the same, and you can't tell necessarily where you are. But also, visually and physically, there are functions that are not related, but are next to each other. Why is pause play related to volume up? They're in the same row. They should do something either similar or nearly similar. Why? Well, nobody will know. The remote clearly has more space available, so they could have changed how that worked. Uh, The volume buttons could have been rockers on the side. We could flatten this to not be a prism anymore. We could put the fast-forward, pause, play, and rewind buttons all into one nice row uh, somewhere, maybe under the power button or maybe under the back and home buttons. There are so many different options you could do to the remote to make it better. But the single most important thing that must be done to this remote to make it better is to destroy the Netflix button. How many times have I reached for the remote and used my thumb to swipe up and feel the nub on the pause play button just to figure out where it was, but pressed down just a little bit too hard in the middle of a video to realize, oh no. I have pressed the Netflix button, and now my video is gone, and Netflix is going to load up and say, blah, 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 watch my videos, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> it's happened so many times. I would love to see if I could 3D print a replacement cap that would not depress. That would fix the entire remote from being pretty good to effectively very good. Not perfect because of the button layout otherwise, but pretty good. So in conclusion, I really like the shield TV. I never bought into the the hype prior to this. I would never use it for games. I wouldn't say that most people should buy it because Chromecast is legitimately good enough for 99% of what people care about using these products for but i really love the value of the remote so i'm okay with this if google ever made a first-party product i hope that they would differentiate by making a smaller nexus player style remote that's simpler doesn't need to have the backlight maybe um doesn't need to have as many buttons maybe certainly would not have a netflix button but I hope the product overall would be about 100 bucks instead of 150 I feel like that $100 barrier is is what p- pushes people away from this product. So overall, I think it's great. But I wouldn't recommend it for most people unless this is truly what you want. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. It's been a lot of fun. Of course, you can find me just about everywhere, but especially on Twitter at RyanMar. And of course, on my website, RyanRamperset.com. You can visit us at our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash TV. And, of course, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash TV. But wait, there's more. You could win Ian's Google Home Mini that he recently reviewed. All you have to do is become a Patreon patron sometime before February 16th, 2020. Anyone who is a patron at that time will be able to get entered into the drawing and the winner of that google home mini will be announced on the episode of second opinion number 83 good luck to everybody who wants to participate in that have a good one The Nexus, the Nexus, the Nexus TV podcasts from the technological Technological Convergence. convergence.